Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, you know on this ep- on this show we talk about game changers and today's thought leaders and the gentleman that we're going to be talking to today is doing both. He's truly amazing, but first I want to thank our sponsors. Um, if you guys love hoodies, t-shirts, swag, definitely check out my brother Paul. He has a company called Victory Warrior. They make the best t-shirts, hoodies, and he will also personalize them for you and your company. So check him out. He's also a veteran. And if you guys know me, all my sponsors are 100% veteran, 100% of the time. So check out Paul at victorywarrior.com. Can you hear me, brother? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, brother? I can hear you now, man. I have All right. So, like I was saying, connected. And you I are. Talking. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I got you, man. Here we go. I, I got you, Lima Charlie, brother. Uh, like I, I, I was telling everybody, um, I'm so blessed to have you come on today. Um, we just became friends, and I'm grateful that you're in my circle, and I appreciate you, brother. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. Are we, uh, are, is this live right now? Are there people? We are right live, now? baby. Oh, man. They're, That's yeah, awesome. We are, I thought we were just recording it for later. I mean, this is recorded, but there is no editing. It is what it is, brother. I love and it, it. So what's going on? How's your day starting out? Man, my day has been incredible so far. I uh, was up at four o'clock this morning and took the dog for a run. Um, was able to, to get in some stock trading this morning. Um, I've just been, been working. And grinding out, man. I, I love that. Today? I'm doing great. I got up this morning because I, now I I'm, I'm I have a good schedule. So I got up, got to talk to my wife for a little while, had my energy drink. So now I'm ready. I just released an episode with uh, Lieutenant, well, Colonel Five Coat that was in charge of the, the brigade commander of all Ranger and Airborne. So that was oh, pretty cool. So That's now I get cool. to talk to the man, the myth. The me- the legend, Caleb. Howdy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. And you know, I I love your story, by the way. And we're going to get into a lot of different things, guys. So if you're listening to this, um, this this is going to get real. So if you have kids around, they might not want to hear this because, um, as I don't know if you know Caleb, but I, I'm I've been in recovery for 32 years now. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. And that's one thing I love about you, that me and you can actually talk, real talk, and maybe save some lives while we're on here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man. we've uh, It's been a while since we talked, but when we when I first got into the tribe about two years ago, we shared uh, we shared our stories with each other. And so, I, man, this is going to be a, an amazing conversation. And I, uh, I'm really excited to be able to hopefully be able to help some other people out. You know, I, uh, I was just talking to somebody yesterday, and I was like, you know, all the pain that I lived through and more importantly, put the people that I love through, it wasn't worth anything if I don't use it for something, you know, if I'm not able to take that and turn it around and be able to at least 
do something productive with it, then it was literally a waste in my book, man. I love that, you know, and I, you know, I tell everybody that, you know, for me personally, you know, my mess is now my message. So I actually get to help people. Um, and, you know, like my mentor, Ed Milet told, you know, told me that, you know, things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And everything is a teachable moment. So that's the way I look at things in life now, instead of saying, you know, why, why me start saying, well, why not me? You know what I mean? That's great, dude. Like so tell it where where were you born and raised and what was little Caleb like? Oh man, um, we're gonna hop, we're gonna hop in the way back. <laughs> we're just going straight into it. All right, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, to a uh, extremely uh, religious, uh, Orthodox kind of family, um, Southern Baptist, and so my dad was actually a pastor, um, and so we traveled all around the world as kids. My dad was a missionary. Uh, so we lived in Israel growing up. We lived all over the U.S. Uh, lived in lived in Europe for a, a short time, but uh, didn't really was unique, you know, very much so like uh, growing up a military kid in that like you never stayed anywhere for more than like six months to a year. You know, you never had friends, and so kind of grew up uh, a little secluded, you know, a little sheltered, uh, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting childhood. I uh, it was a it was hard. Uh, me and my father had a rough relationship uh, growing up. Um, I am excited to actually say that me and him um, talked and saw each other for the first time in quite a few years, uh, just three weeks ago for my birthday. Um, and that man was the, the forgiveness and the love that we were able to recapture and, and restore in our relationship in a matter of four days after not really seeing each other or talking and three years was was really incredible man it was beautiful but um total total tangent there sorry little rabbit hole no no this <laughs> this is you know because sometimes you listen to these podcasts and it's all fluff and you know we know you're an entrepreneur and we, we're going to talk about that later but i want to get to know the person behind the uniform you know what i mean because i always believe that you know facts will tell but stories sell and everybody has a story and I want to get into your story. And that's, I guess that's what makes me different. Now I guess people are calling me like the veteran Joe Rogan or the veteran <laughs> over, I, I, you know, it's I try fair. to go deep and, you know, cause some people, you might say something to somebody that might touch their heart that you, that you don't even realize, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I hope so. If I don't, I'm going to be kind of disappointed in myself. I hope I, I'm not well, here making a difference. You know, if not, I feel like I'm wasting my time. Me too, brother. Me too. So now, uh, so, you know, I, I grew up, well, I lived out South for a while, for a while and I, I was, you know, around Southern Baptist and it's kind of uh, a, lot, a lot of times, you know, cause I, I try to be a Christian man. I fail every day, but I always had that, you know, hell, hellfire and brimstone. Yeah. And I didn't realize what a loving God we actually have. Oh, absolutely. So, Man, you know, that revelation is something that I am just now realizing within the past probably year, year and a half um, is kind of understanding grace for the first time in my own life. And then just in, in my walk, in my faith as well, you know, like growing up with, with that fire and brimstone from a spiritual aspect and from a, a parenting aspect and just kind of a lifestyle um, and then transitioning into the combat arms world of the military, 
it's uh it's difficult to get out of that you know like what is grace after all that like what is you know being able to to say something but then choosing not to kind of and so i am beyond grateful that i've been able to pretty much just learn how to shut the fuck up i i totally get it you don't know how many times i go on facebook and type out something and i'm like uh (laughs) never mind it's not worth it's not worth the drama no Uh, guys if you're listening to this we don't know where this conversation is going to go because it's like two brothers just having to sit down over a cup of coffee so we're going to be all over the place and that's okay because that's that's kind of what we do but you know just talking about the you know the um, there's a difference between religion and, you know, relationship. And, um, you know, I always had, cause I did, I grew up without a father. And, um, once I started referring to God as dad, it kind of changes my, changed my whole perspective, you know, that, you know, that he's a loving and caring. And now that I'm a father of three children, I know how I want to protect and take care of my children. So I could just imagine how he wants to love and, and protect us instead of sometimes he ha- he gets that big bad name of, you know, God, you know, and everybody, like you said, thinks hellfire and brimstone. And you're like, why would I want to get close to a person, you know, get close to God if he's like that, but he's really a loving and caring God. He is man. I, uh, I actually just kind of like a little personal note here. I, uh, I started calling him, uh, Abba, which is Hebrew for like Papa. You know, like a, a very uh, endearing term for like daddy, you know, like young child daddy. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it really is, man, just that personal connection, you know, that relationship. And it's the walk it has nothing to do with the rules. There's nothing to do with, you know, the. And <laughs> I don't know if we want to even go down the religious uh, rabbit hole today yeah. or if we want to keep it off other places. But that's we could have a lot of conversations around a lot of places. Why don't we try to so, find a, a topic to stick to? Because if not, I will bounce all over the place. Well, I, I, I got it. Don't worry. Like I said, I've had over 200 interviews, so I, I can steer the, our conversation. So what were you like in high school? Were you an athlete? Were you good in school? Um, I was, I would say good in school. Uh, I was, so I was homeschooled uh, pretty much my entire life. Um, and so I hated my uh circumstances i didn't want to be there i wanted to to get out of the house you know what i mean like be my own man be an adult get out there and be somebody you know i thought the world was going to be mine for the taking and so i uh i just wanted to get through high school as quickly as possible and so i actually worked pretty much just all day long on school um when i was 14 and 15 to be able to graduate early uh, when i was 16 but my my high school years are just nothing but me doing school you know, I was homeschooled. We didn't really have friends. So I literally just would get up and do my chores and then just do school all day long until I go to sleep. You know? So you graduated at what age? 16. So obviously you can't join the military. Not yet. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I joined at 17, that. but that would that, but that was way back in the, that was back I in the day. Well, yeah, that was, I joined on my 17th birthday. So it wasn't long after that. I was, I was up and uh, up and gone. All right, so now this because this is this is interesting to me, you know, because I love talking to everybody about their recruiting stories because everybody has a recruiting story, um, and I find them very interesting. So, what was your recruiting story like? Did you go into a recruiting station, or did they come find you? How'd that work? Um, 
Man, I uh, I went to the recruiting station with exactly what I wanted and where I was going and what I wanted to do, and you couldn't tell me anything otherwise. I was that guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was funny because I, I walked in and I was like, I want to be 11 Bravo and I want to have an option 40 on my contract. And they it was like 2000, 2013 at the time, 2012. Um, and they were not looking for grunts at the time. And so they tried for weeks to get me to do anything else but be an 11 Bravo. And I literally wouldn't even talk to them unless it was about me joining as an 11 Bravo. I was like, no, I'm not interested. Goodbye. <laughs> and so that, uh, I loved that because for me, I wanted to join the military because I wanted to do what I couldn't do in the civilian world. You know, like if I wanted to, to go and be a computer engineer, I would go to college and do it. If I wanted to go and I wanted to be a, uh, a nurse or, or a, you know, a, a medic, I would go to EMT school or I'd go to be a nurse, you know. So I wanted to join to be able to get the opportunities that you cannot get in the civilian life. Okay, so now because, you know, um, I was when I first went in, I was a 19 kilo, which is a tank tanker. And then I had the opportunity to go to school to be a 19 Delta, which is Cav Scout, and then 11 Bravo. So, you know, you and all are everybody all. realized that as, as soon as your tank gets either blown up or breaks down, you become an 11 Bravo. So uh, okay. now, exactly, <laughs> you know, start hooking up with your uh, leather personnel carriers. Uh, so now you, because this is interesting for me, because you're homeschooled. You really didn't get out much. So what was it like? Because uh, like I, I, I grew up from the streets. And when I went to basic training, I was like around 100 guys from all around the world. And it kind of blew my mind, you know, because it was a total, I hate cursing on here, but it was like a total mind fuck. Because, you know, here are these people from down south, everywhere around the world. And, and my whole thing was just being in a street. So what was your whole world like? Because, you know, your whole world was just homeschooling Man. and doing schoolwork. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, you were like, everybody. Yeah. What was that like? So, I, uh, I, was, I was blessed to have the opportunity to, before I joined the Army, to work as a carpenter um, for quite a few years. Um, and so, I was a little used to the rough and tough, for lack of better words. So, at least that part didn't hit me as, as too much of a surprise. But just... You have to imagine kind of 17-year-old Caleb, right? So I'm, I literally had to get a waiver to join because I was so small. I was five foot eight and I weighed 102 pounds. Um, I had never had a girlfriend. I had never, you know, like had any kind of substantial friendship or, or meaningful relationship in my life. You know, so massive amounts of social anxiety. Um, I, awkwardness that you couldn't describe just kind of like that weird like what the what was that you know there's just that guy that just doesn't know how to just fit in um and that was me man to a t and so i showed up to basic training literally just like the baby and i actually my nickname was baby blair <laughs> and so uh yeah because you're 17 years yeah, old man, right fresh 17 with literally no life experience other than just a few years of, of carpentry for my neighbor and uh a very fundamentally flawed framework and worldview coming from just, you know, my upbringing. And uh, man, I, I'm forever grateful that that is the route that I went because the massive amount of exposure that I received while in the military, you know, that, that culture shock 
was just a, a massive, overwhelming, very early understanding that, hey, you don't have this all figured out and you got a lot of crap to rework here. You know, like you have a lot of stuff that isn't normal. You have a lot of stuff that is causing detrimental effects in your own quality of life, your own mental health, your own thought process, your own relationships, being able to see how different I was from everybody else. And not just that, but even seeing, you know, within a, within a platoon, there's not a lot of some, you know, there's not a lot of similarities. You have every different walk of life possible, every single ethnicity, every single religion, every single upbringing, it's all blended. And so then for me to still be just like the one weirdo, I was like, okay, something's really weird here. Like something's really off. And so now were you high? Were you, did you take to the military? What were, were, were you one of those high speed soldiers? Absolutely, man, I like, I lived a breathed ranger training book. I mean, could not get enough of it. In my off hours, I was studying hand manuals, shooting in my free time. I mean, you name it. If it made me better at my job, I was chasing it. Now you eventually graduated and then did you go to ranger school? I, uh, I actually failed out pre-rasp. Um, on a sit-up, my hands came unlocked on sit-ups in the pre-RAS PT test and got booted for it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. And so that was like the kind of the first real big, like, hey, life doesn't always give a shit what you think or what you want. You know, I had never really experienced So then talk to us, you know, because like that happened to me one time I went, they sent me to one of, school, one of the schools and, um, I missed out on the PT, something like five seconds or something. And I had to take the, the walk of shame and go back to my unit. Um, so talk to us about that mindset, you know, even though, you, you know, you failed at that one thing, you know, because I tell everybody that, you know, failure is an event. It's not a lifestyle. So talk to us about that failure mindset. And then you were just because I talked to a, a Navy SEAL, uh, Rich Davini the other day and we were talking about mindset and how we have to start, you know, start changing. And it really changed my mindset. He says, you know, in battle, you have two minutes. He's like, it's called the two minute drill um, that you, whatever's going on, whether you're happy or sad, be happy or sad for that two minutes. And then you have to move on. So what was your mindset like when you got back? And cause I'm sure people cracking on, at any unit, you know, because like we all do, we crack on each other. So what was I your mean, mindset like that you weren't going to quit? Man, in all honesty, I had no perspective back then. I had no idea about mindset, framework, kind of the power of the mind. Like, I honestly was in a terrible place. Like, that was the very first time that I ever drank. Um, and that was immediately, you know, a problem. My, my first time drinking, I think I had 17 beers. And like, first time ever, I never tasted alcohol previous to that. And uh, did not handle it well at all. You know, like total pity myself, feel bad for myself. Um, it didn't, it, believe it or not, the guys actually didn't rag on me. Like they all were actually felt bad for me as well. Um, like I was a 300 PT guy. Like there was no way I would have failed the PT test. You know, especially that, that event for me to get kicked on it. It was kind of a full, full thing, you know, for lack of better words. Sorry, I'm trying not to curse as well. It's not normal for me. <laughs> but um, 
so yeah, man, I, I totally took it to heart, man. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm just a, I'm, I'm a screw up. I, I can't do anything right. You know, like I, I really got down in the dumps over myself. Um, now did you get, um, deployed at all? So I, at that point got sent to Alaska. Um, that's where I got stationed. And when I was in processing, they actually took volunteers for a, uh, a peacekeeping deployment to Kosovo for 14 months where I was the, uh, on the S3 desk, um, which was just weird. It, it's not like anything you can describe that I've ever heard of any other kind of rotation or deployment. It was just weird. We did a lot of, um, a lot of crowd riot control, uh, as a unit, like I was, like I said, I was in brigade three. So I was doing, um, personnel security detachment and operations and stuff, which was, at the time, miserable. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was an infantryman. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be at a desk. That's not what I signed up for. You know, all they said was, "Hey, who wants to get deployed? Raise your hands." And there I go. Yeah, let's go. And they're like, "All right, cool. Here's your desk." <laughs> and uh, but looking back, man, the amount that I learned from the people around me there and the leadership and being around brigade commanders and you know the brigade S three and and seeing a deployment at a brigade level operation tempo was massive for my development as an entrepreneur. And, you know, I love that because, like, you know, um, you know, I was a ground pounder for a while, and then I had the opportunity one one year to just hang out in the talk and just learning, you know, operations and to start looking at things in a bigger picture than just squad level. And it's it's and I cannot totally get it in business because – one time, you know, I was managing a, a million dollar a year general nutrition um, company a year, and I thought I was doing something great. And one of my friends invited me down to his, um, he owned the largest supplement company in the world, and he was doing a million a month. And it kind of just blew my mind because it kind of opened me up to, wow, the world is so much bigger than what I'm thinking about. So I totally get your mindset. Did you ever get deployed again or was no, man, that, that it? Was, uh, that was it. One thing I want to touch on real quick, I think it's cool to note. Um, the other thing that was about that unique about that opportunity was as much as I loved all my team leaders and my squad leaders, you know, um, when I was in a line unit, um, that was the first time that I ever truly saw individuals interested in personal development you know, that personal growth, like people reading books about how to improve their mindset, you know, um, specifically, I will say that's one thing that's unique about most officers is that they have that kind of foundation that they've, uh, they're at least aware of the concept of personal growth and development, you know, and that it doesn't just happen. It's yeah. not just a natural thing. You don't just wake up one day and do it or know how, or come to the understanding or, you know, it's uh, it's a grind that you have to pursue. And that was when the first time I really realized that, yes, there is stuff that's wrong with, with me, but I don't have to be a victim. You know, like up until that point, I had very much so just felt sorry for myself. Like, uh, we'll get into this more as we talk, I'm sure. But later on in life, I got diagnosed with complex uh, post-traumatic stress from my childhood. Um, and then also I was uh, clinically bipolar. And so I didn't know any of this at the time. And so all I knew was that I was just essentially this emotional wreck that didn't know what to do with himself and just felt different from everybody else around him, but didn't know how or why and couldn't even like communicate it in words as to what I was dealing with or feeling or struggling with, but just knew that it wasn't normal and that I wasn't dealing with the same things that everybody else was. But I just thought that I was fucked, 
you know, I was like, this is me for the rest of my life. I'm just going to be like this. And uh, suicide was a really big struggle for me previous to that. But when I saw for the first time, how you change, how you become better, like, what do you actually do about it? It was such an eye-opening experience for me because I was like, I'm not just stuck like this. You know, I'm not stuck in this yep. spot. I'm not stuck being the man I am. I'm not, I'm not trapped here. Like, man, I remember saying this exact phrase. I just want to be better, but I don't know how. Like sobbing in my bedroom with a gun in my mouth over and over and over, you know, and just really not knowing what to do. Like, what, what do I do? It's, it's like trying to tell somebody to describe a rainbow, but they're blind. Or describing a rainbow to somebody. Yeah, you know, and, you know, it's what is it? Yeah. <laughs> I get it because you know it's kind of like you know you're trying to t- you tell a deaf person to listen harder. It's kind of like no, that's not the way this goes. So anyway, let's we're going to get into that. But um, so how many years did you do total? So I only did two and a half, man. I was involuntarily separated um, for some behavioral issues that I had, um, which. Are, wait, are, are you sure that me and you yeah, are brothers? Because that happened the same the same thing happened to me two and I a half years that. in. My uncle's my uncle Sam decided he didn't want me to be his his nephew anymore, so he like said you got to go. So what was that like? Man, you want to talk about just soul crushing? Um, it was it was unique because still to this day, like with full accountability and ownership and, and the maturity that I've been able to instill in myself since then, I would not do anything different in the situation that I was placed in. Um, to make a very long story short, I was involved in a, a motorcycle incident. Um, I was on a motorcycle. My ex-wife at the time was on a motorcycle and we were with a group of about a hundred different riders. And there was an incident with a truck that ended up getting into a road rage fit and tried to run a bunch of individuals off the road. Um, almost crashed two bikes. Uh, it was really all on YouTube, made the news, was pretty wild. I ended up confronting him like while driving, like tried to stop him um, and ended up breaking his mirror um, when he tried to run me off the road. The police investigated the whole incident. Um, we were all, all of the bikers were found uh, at, at no fault and were you know free to go. We released all of our video evidence to the police, so on and so forth. And the individual in the truck was uh, was wanted last. I, I never followed up on it, but when it happened, they were looking for him and looking to charge him with uh, attempted vehicular manslaughter. And uh, my chain of command had a we didn't have a great relationship, me and my CO. Um, and they used that opportunity to uh, general court martial me for destruction of personal property value less than two hundred dollars for breaking the mirror on the truck and then separated me from the military for it. All right. So now I have a question, you know, because now we're going to get into now. Now, guys, this is when it starts to get real, because I know, you know, I got thrown out of the military the first time for being a drug addict and alcoholic, got back in. And then I gave my everything to being Sergeant Kaufman. So I volunteered for every school. I took every correspondence course. If you said I I need somebody, I'd be the first one there to, to volunteer. And, you know, I, I live the NCO creed. And then when I finally became you know soldier of the year and and so on and so forth and i got hurt on duty and they medically discharged me i didn't know who richard was you know i was so i was the only person that i was was sergeant and i didn't know 
you know, I didn't know who Richard was. So talk to us about your, cause this is when I'm sure we'll get into the, the mental health and stuff. So what was your transitioning like <laughs> when you, when Man, that happened? Was, uh, the perfect story. Cause you know, like my friend, Nick, you know, like my friend, Nick Valentine says, you know, once your foot hits the street and you're no longer in the military, the military doesn't give a shit about you. Your phone stops ringing and all of a sudden, you know, you lose your camaraderie and, you know, we think we think we're hardcore, even if you guys are airborne, you know, but we get used to get paid on the first and the 15th um, BAQ and all that stuff, 30 days paid vacation. But when you hit the streets, you don't have anything. So what was your transition like? Terrifying. <laughs> if I had to summarize it in one word, man, it, uh, let me give you a little backstory. I, uh, I got back from my deployment and this is why me and my CEO had a bad relationship. Um, got back from my deployment and then was reassigned to the line unit. So we got back on a Friday and processed to uh, said company on the same Friday and then went on my weekend, you know, first weekend back and uh, had bought a motorcycle before we even got back and went and picked it up. And then that weekend got pulled over doing 145 and a 35 uh, at 18 years old with uh, a single beer in his system and charged me with a DUI. And so that was my introduction to the company. Um, and my company commander. And that was kind of the the background um, on why we had an issue. But the issue came up because I uh, did not end up getting separated for that because of my connections through my time in S3, um, which is not really essential to the point. But all that to say this, that it was very much so a personal vendetta. Um, and that from the time that I got notice of my court-martial to the time that I was out of the military was three and a half weeks. Um, and so at the same time, I also had my, my new wife that I had just married and met at the same time because I'm a brand new private that just got back from a deployment, and that's what we do, who was three months pregnant. <laughs> um, and uh, so I had just lost my job, and... Uh, me and my ex-wife at the time had just gotten into a domestic violence incident, which I, I was actually the victim in. Um, and we were, I was no longer allowed in my residence um, until the, uh, I was out of the military. And so I was stuck in the barracks while I was out processing and then got out and either had to move back in with her or just be homeless. And so I ended up just being homeless, man, when I got out for like three months. And uh, now, what state Alaska. was this? What state? Well, that's got to be a crappy place <laughs> to be homeless. I the contrary. It was summer, and so there literally was not a better place in the world to be homeless, in my opinion. Okay, so now you know. Um, now, cause, you know, because this is the way I look at it. Um, you know, when an adult acts out, because now we're gonna start getting back into into the mental health stuff. It's usually because of stuff that happened between the ages of three and 13. Usually, not every time. And then you add military to the mix, and then you add alcohol or drugs to the mix. For me, it was both. Um, you have the perfect storm. And nobody teaches you how to get out of the perfect storm unless somebody else has been in the perfect storm. So what was your, I say, you know, what was your come to Jesus moment where you're like, all right, I need help. I got to get help or else I'm not going to make it. 
because I remember that my day was Memorial Day 2012, the day I attempted suicide. That was my breaking moment. What was your breaking moment where you decided, I need help? It was a year and a half after that. Um, I just continued on a downward spiral. Uh, at, at the time when I got out, I was already drinking extremely heavily, like a, a fifth to a fifth and a half of Jack Daniels a day. Um, and then when I got out, that even escalated to almost to two. And at that point, it uh, alcohol just wasn't enough, and I switched over to drugs. And so this lasted for a year and a half um, to the point where I, I lost all rights to my daughter. Um, I ended up having another kid with another woman in the same time. Um, and just really destroyed everything that I had ever thought was possible for my life. You know, I'm getting a little emotional here, so... I'm, I'm trying to keep it together, but um, I got to the point, man, where I uh, I actually slipped my wrists in the bathroom with a piece of broken glass off the mirror that I had just broken in a fit of rage. And I sat there and I said, I'm either going to call 911 and I'm going to try to survive this and I'm never going to find myself here again, or I'm just going to sit here and this is over because I don't have it in me anymore. And... Uh, I made the decision, man, to call and ended up getting taken to the hospital. And, man, I still don't know how this happened, but I was released within 24 hours um, and immediately just right back and was high again within two hours after getting out. And uh, ended up, um, again, I was like, what did I, you know, I just made that, that choice with myself. What am I doing? And... It was just like the amount of shame and guilt that I felt, you know, about myself, like literally not even 24 hours later. And here I am again. And, you know, and I just want to, you know, say something real quick, you know, because people that are listening to this, you know, I'm an addict, you know, and and I can totally relate. And, you know, I was talking to a guy. We all some people know him as the bassist in Motley Crue. His name is Nikki Six. And he actually overdosed, died. They brought him back and they released him. And not even two hours later, he had the needle back in his arm overdosing again. And it's the addiction. It's they call it chasing the dragon. You know, it's people don't understand what the addiction it, it is and how it can. It, it ruins your whole life because all you're thinking about is getting that next, next drink or that next drug. So I totally understand where you're coming I mean, from. Man, bro. It was so much of. I can't be sober, you know, like I, I can honestly say that. So cocaine was my drug of choice, but I wouldn't say I'm a cocaine. Addict. You know, I, I'm just legitimately an addict. I didn't care what it was. I didn't care what I got my hands on, whatever it was that wouldn't make me feel the pain that I felt when I was sober. I was all about it, you know, and it was literally just running away from everything that I felt or couldn't stand to feel when I was sober. You know, and so. Now, did you go to 12 step program? How did you finally get clean? Me, and so I, uh, me and my, my son's mom were both uh, addicts. We, she was the one that kind of got me introduced and it was, uh, it was hard because we were both struggling together. Um, so we ended up actually moving back to New York with our son. Um, this was late 2017, uh, and uh, that was what did it for me, man. Um, just getting away 
and for the first time I was able to breathe and not not have to deal with anything you know I, I moved back with my family which was extremely stressful but I can say that it was honestly not that bad because we had a an in-law suite over the garage that was a detached garage and so I was able to stay over there and and not have to deal with the family much but also at the same time just be able to for the first time ever just sit there and I didn't have a job I didn't have a car I didn't have anything I could do I didn't have anywhere I could go and for the first time ever to force myself to process you know it was the first time that I couldn't run away from the processing of my emotions or thoughts and that was what did it for me man and then um about two months after that was the I'm still super struggling at this point um but I have a grip at least but I uh <laughs> for the first time and people laugh at this every time but I I tried smoking um weed for the first time I had done every every drug you could think of you know I'd <laughs> all over the map but hadn't smoked weed <laughs> so I was like you know what I'd rather do that than drink a beer right now because at least it's it's natural was what I told myself. But man, when I started smoking for the first time, it was like I could process my emotions and and sort through them and not have them hit me like a tidal wave. Um, and then that was kind of like the first realization that led me to realize that there was something that was uh, scientifically, you know, from an anatomy standpoint off that THC did something that allowed me to just feel normal. You know, like I could literally just sit there and think about my emotions and didn't have this overwhelming urge to put my face through a drywall, you know? Um, yeah. Now, you, New York just legalized rec- recreational and so did New Jersey. So, you know, it'll be a lot easier to get without having to get a, a mar- marijuana card yeah. or whatever. And uh, I actually I, I don't even um, I don't even smoke much anymore now. Uh, for me, it was really just, it allowed me to, to get down the road, if that makes sense. It allowed me to, to get started on the road to recovery from a mental health standpoint. And so that's kind of just one thing I want to touch on here looking back is I have the perspective now to appreciate that I am an addict, but addiction wasn't my biggest problem. My biggest problem was my mental health and my lack of care of it. Um, and that I, I'm I'm blessed to be able to say that I really don't even struggle with cravings now anymore. You know, I, I don't, I could look at cocaine and just say, no, you know, I, I've done it. There's been multiple times where it's been presented to me. And I'm like, nah, I'm not even interested in the slightest bit has no appeal. And it's truly because I am just so delighted with me. You know, I like who I am now. And that's just such a wonderful experience, man. I don't even know how to describe that. You know, and, and a lot of people, you know, we're, you know, like I said, we're talking about addiction and, and, and mental health. Um, you know, a lot of people think, you know, OK, well, I'm just going to move to, you know, they just move to another state. But they don't realize that, you know, they're taking themselves with them. You know, wherever you go, you follow. So it's an inside job to get, you know, healthy again and, you know, to help recover. Absolutely, man. And some of the things that I realize, you know, when somebody asks, well, how do I, you know, how, how can I change? And I tell them three things that I've learned. 
you know, just that, that helped me, I, you know, because, you know, in the rooms, you can't, you know, talk about somebody else's recovery. But for me, you know, the three things that helped me out the most is one, like we talked about earlier, you know, forgiveness. You know, I had to forgive the people that hurt me in the past. Then I had to ask people to forgive me for the things that I've done. And then the hardest part is you know, forgiving myself, you know, for, for every for all my tr- past transgressions and not having to carry that rucksack yeah. anymore. Still you know, so one, talk to us about about forgiveness. Yeah. Talk to us about That's that. It's a good one to talk about, man. I, I want to touch real quick. You talked about, you know, some people think that just like leaving is is the answer and, and running away from your problems is the answer to getting clean and to, to change. And, and you're right, man. It's not. You take you with you. Um, I'm grateful that I had come to the realization prior to that, that the only common denominator in all of my issues was me. You know, I had already realized that, like, I was the problem and that I had to do something. Wait a minute. Can, can, can you say that louder for the people <laughs> in the back? The only common denominator with all of the bullshit in my life was me. I love it. You know, I talk to people because I used to talk in prisons and jails and all this stuff. And I used to tell them, listen, if you've been through five girlfriends and three ex-wives, guess what? The common denominator is you. You're the problem. So you need to look at yourself in the mirror and figure out why am I the problem and stop blaming everybody. Because like you said earlier, you could either be a victor or a victim. It's the mentality. So I love that, brother. I love that. At the same time, though, that brings us to a really interesting point here because this has actually kind of been the focus of mine probably for the past six months is where you balance that internal grace with accountability and then not just that, but then how you also display that in your own personal relationships. Like how, how do I maintain a, a, a standard with the people in my life with what I expect from them and what they expect from me? And that's something that I'm learn, learning to enforce or, or to even know what it is. You know, like what is, what is healthy in a, in a friendship or in a relationship? What should I expect from the people in my life? You know, and enforcing those boundaries that we have. And then also being able to forgive when, when it falls short. You know, it's, uh, it's that grace that we were talking about earlier that I really am just for the first time trying to wrap my head around because my whole recovery was built on accountability and ownership, you know, and it, it really is the, the Jocko willing, the, it doesn't matter, try harder. It, you know, you can do it. It's just a matter of figuring out how, that there is nothing that's impossible. It's just a matter of you giving up too early kind of, you know, that mindset around that. And then being able to, you know, I love that, you know, like now I'm not a Grant Cardone guy at all. Um, but I, th- I read his book, it's called 10 X. And the only, the thing that I got out of it is that from, for people that are listening to this, um, because you're hearing this for the first time that whatever happens from this point on in your life, it's your fault, whether it's good or it's bad, it's your fault. And when you take ownership on everything of your life is when you actually become free. So I love when you're talking about taking ownership of your life. It's this, it's the secret to happiness because that's when you can release the stress and worry and anxiety of everybody else's actions. Yeah. And I love that. And now, you know, uh, definitely um, I love the guys in our tribe, by the way, Um, I'm just going to mention them. Stephen and Lane have an amazing book Humble out. Alpha. 
called uh yep and it talks about a lot of exactly what we're talking about about finding who you really are so if you guys get a chance uh check out that book i don't get anything out of it it's just a book that actually helped change my life a little bit i haven't read it yet so now list it's been on my list i know man. oh you gotta get it bro the first chapter the first chapter is mind-blowing and a game changer. I think I'm going to get it after we get off this talk. I think that's going to be the first thing on my to-do list. <laughs> I wanna, cool. All right. Yeah, so now talk to the forgiveness thing real about... quick. I didn't really get a touch base on that. Um, oh, yeah, I really like to. Yeah. So the biggest thing for me that has been revolutionary is learning that to forgive is not to forget. And that you can forgive and have no ill will or animosity and truly wish the best for somebody, but still recognize that they are not beneficial to your own self-improvement, growth, or development, and that there is no need to maintain that relationship. You know, I had this, this concept that every single relationship I had, I had to maintain. It didn't matter what, you know, that, that, that loyalty was, was deserved regardless and always and forever. And being able to shift to a mindset of being able to love and forgive while still accepting the fact that it's just not what's best for either of us to have a relationship has been monumental to me because all my issues came from when I'd forgive and then just put myself right back in that same vulnerable position I was in. (laughs) And then it would happen again, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm forgiving them. Why is nothing changing? Well, because they're not changing and because you're allowing them to continue doing it. And then when I realized that is when I realized why I had so much animosity towards the concept of forgiving in the first place. And so being able to realize that I don't owe anybody my happiness but me, but I do owe everybody respect has been huge in just how I deal with people and how I look at my relationships. And just that kind of framework helps everything else fall in place. I love that, you know, because, you know, I also came to the realization that, you know, when this is all said and done, it's just going to be me standing in front of the Lord. Everything else doesn't matter. And I am not in charge of other people's happiness. And, you know, like Stephen and Elaine talk about their book, you know, when you start living without expectations, then you can't be let down because, you know, like if I do something for somebody expecting them to do something back and they don't do it, then it was my fault because I had an expectation that shouldn't be put on in the first place. uh, So if you heard of the book, uh, no more Mr. Nice guy by Robert Glover, he talks about, it's amazing. Great book, book. man. That book really opened my mind to a lot, but he talks about those, those secret contracts that we have, you know, and that we, we do things for other people expecting them to do something for us in return or treat us a certain way or you know xyz fill in the blank but we don't ever say that out loud we don't ever communicate that and then we hold them at blame when they don't follow through on the unspoken contract we put them in yeah i was i was talking to steven because i actually interviewed on podcast it hasn't been released yet but um and we're talking about you know sometimes like guys we think all right we're gonna get lucky tonight so i'm gonna buy some flowers and I'm going to buy some chocolates and I give them to my wife and she still, you know, says I'm tired because we put that expectation in our own minds. And so when it doesn't happen, we, we feel that down when 
we never told her our expectations. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes, like you said, you have to tell people, you know, if you expect something, like especially if you're a business owner, you know, if I do work for you, I expect to get paid. You know, you can't just assume because if you don't send me a bill, I'm not going <laughs> to just write out a check for you because you assume yeah. that yeah, that's you're going to pay that's me. That's the real world, you know? man. And like we, we have a tendency to forget that relationships are still the real world and human connection is still the real world and that the laws of humanity apply across it. You know, like we take the concepts that we learn in business, but somehow think that they still don't apply in our personal relations. So tell us about how you, you know, tell us about your business that you got going on, because I see you're, you're crushing it. By the way, I just uh, sent a request on LinkedIn. I love what you're doing. Um, so tell, yeah, tell us about uh, what so you're this doing. This is actually a, a awesome transition, um, which is talking a little bit about how I got into entrepreneurship. Um, and so that was through my, uh, my recovery process. I, I started going to counseling for the first time. And... I couldn't find a company that was okay with me taking a half day every week to, to go to my appointment. And I had to make the decision like, well, do I want to work or do I want to take care of myself? And I realized that I wasn't okay making that decision. You know, that was the first time ever where I really wasn't okay fitting inside of a box that somebody else wanted to put me in for lack of better words, you know? And I, I really looked at it and I was like, you know what? screw that. I don't have to. And uh, I was like, I'll just work for myself. I'll start my own construction company. I don't have to work for somebody else. And uh, so 2018, uh, very early 2018, like right at January, February, I started up a a kitchen and bathroom modeling company. Uh, BMP contracting was what I named it. And with literally no other intention of just paying my bills you know, working for myself, like I was just a handyman, whatever it may be, uh, you know, I'd be happy with $45,000 a year cash, you know, with just a truck and some tools. But within about three months, I started to, for the first time ever be exposed to business. And the, for lack of better words, man, the game of business, it's the biggest competition that there is. And that to me was insane immediately the most addictive thing I'd ever I'd ever tasted was just the game and the competitiveness of business and you know and I I love that you know especially because it, it is a game you know like I'm not a I'm a I'm a Miami Dolphins fan okay I gotta just put that out there um I'm not a I'm New a England Patriots really fan I'm not a and I'm not a Belichick fan, but he knows how to play the game better than everybody else. And that's why he's won six Super Bowls. So sometimes you have to get into the game and then you have to figure out how to play the game better than everybody else. And sometimes, like my, you know, like my, one of the guys that I, I consider a mentor, now he's a friend, is Gary Vee. You know, uh, no kidding. He talked about, awesome, man. you know, the best, the best um, business tactic is to care. And if you care about people and you love on people and you really, really want to take care of their needs, you're above eighty percent of all the other people out there in business. Yeah. 
and the other 20% is 100%. just a dog fight. 100%. You know? So this is a uh, <laughs> man, I this is again, business has really taught me so much about my own self, my own improvement, you know, learning how the world works through business relations has given me a, a greater perspective on people, you know, how people think, how they process the world, how they make decisions. Um, and that in and of itself was, I was able to look at that within myself, you know, oh, wait a minute, do I do X because of Z, which then translates to Y? I do. Okay. So what can I do about that? You know, and kind of that just slow, methodical unrolling of my own framework based on dissecting other people's in a sales process. Um, and that's what I fell in love with, man. I uh, very quickly realized that I really didn't care as much about construction as I thought I did and that I just wanted to, to market and sale. I wanted to understand people. I wanted to understand buyer psychology. I wanted to be able to, you know, to be able to, to, to use that, to be able to make a difference. It was what I was made for, man. Like it was one of those things that you just do and it clicks and you're like, I've never experienced something as rewarding as this, regardless of my success, regardless of performance. I am fully happy right now. Well, you know, they say the sales, the sales profession can either be the highest paying profession or the lowest paying profession. And it all depends on you. And for me, it's not even this, like the actual closing the deal sales. It's 100% brand psychology. How do people interpret you as a company from your online presence? Like that is what really got me into it. Social media was the thing that captured my full attention. I built my construction company with no website entirely on the back end of Facebook alone up to half, just under half a million a year in three years. And at that point I was like, Oh my gosh, why is nobody talking about this in the construction industry? And uh, I fell in love with social media, man. Like that's, that's where I really have the most fun is social media. And so when you said you said Gary Vee, and I was and like, my everything just lit up. I was like, "Yup, okay, this is gonna be so much fun." Because social media. Yep, I mean, cause like you know, I actually got to spend some time with him, and one one of my hats is actually hanging up in in uh, oh, that's so in cool, his office man. in New York. That's so cool. So, so if you ever see a wounded warrior, so if you ever see a wounded ah. warrior hat, that's mine. Awesome. It's hanging up in his office. You know, so now we're gonna talk about because. Um, I love marketing, you know, I love sales. Um, now for me, it's all about relationship. You know, even like we know that Stephen Kuhn always talks about relationship capital, you know, you'll, and I think it's all about building relationships and fostering those relationships. You know, like when I was in the, you know, with general nutrition, you know, I would act, I, I was with the, with the company almost 30 years. So I would take care of kids when they were in high school and now they're bringing their high school kids to me. So I always thought about life in business as generational, you know, relationships to where a lot of, you know, you get, see a lot of, uh, you get a lot of text message. You get a lot of people on uh, LinkedIn, you know, I send them a friend request three seconds later, can pitches, 
like 60 paragraphs long. I'm like, I know you just did not write all that. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, so a lot of it is, you know, ask me out for dinner before you ask me to marry me. You know what I mean? So talk to us about things to do and things not to do in today's age in social media. Because, you know, because I love you. I love your monkey wretch marketing. That's why I just wanted to touch on that. So talk to us. I'm giving you the floor. Talk to us. Give me your TEDx speech on marketing, what to do and what not to do. Literally into one sentence. It's not about you. It's about them. Every single business owner thinks that their social media is there to improve their sales. It's there to improve their brand awareness. It's there to help them grow as a company. And that is a 100% bad lie. That's not how social media works. It's not what it's there for. And it's not how Facebook makes its money. Facebook makes its money off the consumer and off the digester, not the businesses that are selling on it. And so if you want to actually succeed in social media, start looking at what your consumer wants to see, not what you want them to see. Okay, now like I said this this is gonna get good. I'm, I'm, now I'm gonna have some fun because you know I'm a big like I said Gary V yeah, guy. Man, you know, I knew we were gonna vibe. Any, you said any it, kind and I was of like, stuff. all right, here we go. This is gonna get real fun. <laughs> you know, any self improvement. You know, um, I love the Shark Tanks and every, and those guys. But you know, talking about being real, you know, because there's certain people I'm not, I can't mention names that you know a year ago. You know, they're driving a Lambo, you know, they're living in a mansion a year later. They're in mom's basement and homeless You're talking and about me. because they got found out that they were that they Man, were entrepreneurs. I, uh, I actually love that because this is a great time to mention that in between closing my construction company and up until April 8th, I have been homeless for over a year now. Um, couch surfing and backpack in the country and so I 100% failures as well at some point here because those are what really make it or break it like you just said it's not a matter of if you fail it's a matter of when and it's a matter of how you bounce back and the ones that just hang their heads and just walk away and don't have the humility to admit that they messed up and to rebuild are the ones that didn't deserve to be there in the first place you know, but there's also, you know, like, like if people meet me, like it was funny, like I went to the military influencer conference a couple of years ago and I told Stephen and Lane, I'm like, listen, bro, if I come up there, everybody's getting hugs because that's the kind of guy that I am. So, you know, I go up and, you know, Stephen's a big, huge six foot three guy. Here I am giving him hugs. He's like, what are you doing? I said, because I told you, <laughs> you you're all getting hugs because that's the kind of. You know, because that's the kind of guy that I am. It, I, the way I am at home is the way I am on social is the way I am anywhere. And a lot of people are not that way. And unfortunately or fortunately with social media, people are getting found out. So can you talk about, you know, being honest on social media? I can hear the Gary V bleeding through this. And it's that whole transparency thing, you know, that, that the Internet isn't bad or good. The Internet just exposes. And uh some of those things that the people that I've found that, that talk crap about social media and context here, I, again, we, we deal with only the construction industry. That that's my industry. It's people I know it's the clients I know it's just what I can provide the best service. in. so we're pretty exclusive to the home service industry. 
but within that industry, man, there is so much animosity and just contempt towards social media and the internet in general. They say that the construction industry is about 20 years behind your average uh, small business when it comes to business process, sales process, and, and marketing specifically. And they literally look at it and they're like, no, it's just a bunch of uh, scams and hacks and people that don't actually you know, have the ability to work that are relying on it to, to make money. But in all reality, they're scared of it because they don't have any repeat clients for a reason. You know, they, 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 uh, they sit there and they'll pass out business cards all day because they know that nobody can go on, you know, that business card and look at what other people have to say about it. And so it's one of those things where if you're not, if you're not comfortable with other people talking about you online, then you need to figure out why. And, you know, the worst thing, you know, because I talk to a lot of coaches and I talk to a lot of business, you know, even some guys that are seven, eight, nine figure guys. And if they walk into a business and ask, well, why aren't you doing social media? And they say, well, we're doing the things just because it's the way we've always done it. They usually get up, turn around and walk away because they know that they don't have the mindset to change. Like me, I worked with GNC for 30 years, you know, right next door was a radio shack. And obviously we know what happened to radio shack and we know what's happening to GNC because their, their mindset is we're going to do it. We've always done it. Well, if you take that mindset, you're out of here. See ya. It's a wrap. You know what I mean? And that's what's so unique about the construction industry is that it hasn't hit yet. You know, it, it's not a matter of it's not going to or that the construction industry is unique. It's just that it's been delayed, you know, and we have yet to see that implement. And it's going to be pretty nasty when we do. So what was it like, you know, um, to start your own marketing agency? Well, man, because, you know, <laughs> we are only two and a half months into this now. And the reason that. um it's it's happened the way it has is because I actually was in a snowboarding accident uh, about four weeks ago now uh, and bringing this all full circle on my birthday with my dad where I broke my sternum and uh, partially tore my rotator cuff and found myself out of work and uh, my full-time income like I said before was as a project manager for a construction company and so it happened off the job site off work and so uh, you know workers comp isn't there I have no source of income and so this marketing agency was a dream that I'd had for, for years, man. And since I, you know, since I started BMP, I was in love with it and just wanted to be able to do that and uh, got hurt and was like, well, I guess this is it, huh? Like, it's about time to do something. I, uh, man. And so here we are now, two and a half months later, um, just trying to make something happen. We're extremely excited about what's coming next. Um, but we're a little worried. I mean, that's not going to sit up here in front and say we're, we're crushing it. We're doing us all this other great stuff like we are, but we're a brand new company that's trying to produce full-time income off the bat with no previous clientele, with no previous leads, you know, and, uh, it's been interesting. It's, it's really been a test of metal. Now, um, you know, cause I was talking on Clubhouse the other day because I'm building a following on Clubhouse also. I'm very upset that I don't have iPhone just so I can't be on there. Well, according to Gary, you know, the top top two um, platforms for the next 24 months is going to be 
TikTok and uh, Clubhouse, and I got permanently banned from Clubhouse for posting uh, stuff about military suicide. They permanently banned me, but that's okay. But uh, anyway, um, so, you know, you, you start your own business. And now, I, you know, I've talked to people and I said, you know, how many, you know, like if I'm talking on a stage and I said, how many people ran over a squirrel? Almost everybody's going to raise their hand. And the reason why most squirrels get run over is because they don't make the decision. They didn't make a decision to go left or go right. They stood in and got ran over because of indecision. So sometimes you just have to make a decision because the worst thing you could do is not make a decision because then you're still making a decision. You know what I mean? The truth, man. That's something that I feel like that those of us that have served in, in the military and specifically in any kind of combat arms role has really had a unique perspective on, you know, that they've had that experience to know that a bad decision made promptly is better than, than the right decision, you know, pushed off. And so it it really is something that I've noticed in the tribe specifically, but then also just with my, I have a few close friends um, that are also, you know, combat arms or entrepreneurs. And it's just that, that crush attack, kill mindset and figure it out as you go you know because i could sit here and i could debate what i'm gonna do or i could just try something and figure out how it goes and then react okay so now a lot of that comes with confidence now obviously because you're starting a new company um i always say that you know whatever business you want to get into make sure that you have mentors that are in the same business because you don't have to make the same mistakes they did and most of the time, they're willing to help you if you just humble yourself and ask. So who are some of your mentors that you're looking at to learn from so you don't have to same, make the same mistakes? So we've got like two categories here. We've kind of got the, the non-personal professional level, you know, like Gary Vee is a perfect example of that for me. Um, unfortunately, I'm not as cool as you, I guess, and I can't consider him a personal mentor. But <laughs> I would also say on that, on that line, um, Allie Boyd is a, a very up and coming marketer um, that only deals with local businesses. And so she's been, I've learned a lot from her as well. But on a personal level, um, I would say that my buddy Tyler Chartier. Oh, uh, great person. Great. Man, Tyler is such a great dude. We're going to have to tag him in this, definitely. Yeah, man. Do you, uh, have you seen Welcome to Wealthy? Yep. The, this, yeah, me and him built that last year. And uh, that was when me and Tyler really got close was in the the six, eight months that we started Welcome to Wealthy and then built it from the ground up together before I kind of really struggled with my mental health again last year and just kind of took a break from everything. But he is everything, man, from from faith to perspective to actual technical expertise as a marketer, you know. He's one of my best friends. He really is. And then he introduced me to another guy, uh, Matthew Peterson, that also just another whiz, man, just straight technical whiz. And we all are on the same, for lack of better words, wavelength when it comes to personal progression mindset and, and how we look at the world around us. And so being able to find those two individuals that have the same philosophy and lifestyle and outlook as me that have so much to be able to offer me from a technical perspective has been truly humbling. Okay. Last couple questions. Um, 
you know, because we're talking about mental health and, um, I, you know, I have, um, now, well, they, they say I have PTSD and, uh, I think it's borderline personality disorder, whatever. Uh, and sometimes, you know, like for my, for my mental health, you know, like I, I, I've been doing a life hack that somebody taught me and it's been working for me. You know, I'll work all day until my cell phone go until my battery goes down. Then I'll plug it in and then go do something else that I enjoy until the battery is back to 100 percent. So I'm actually getting myself, um, you know, getting my energies charged. And most of the time it's either playing guitar or or playing uh NASCAR 2020, but what are some of the do things that you do to um, help yourself? Because as we all know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So what do you do for yourself, your mental health and self-care? Man, I, uh, snowboarding is my, my biggest passion. It's, I love it more than anything else. I'd go every single day of the year if I could, but I am very blessed in the capacity that I've come to the acceptance. And it took me a while because everybody always told me that there's no way that's possible. But literally working on my projects gives me the most fulfillment. Like it, it honestly gives me more anxiety to not be working than it does to be working. And so I really have to try to find things that I like wholeheartedly enjoy. And so the only things that I've ever been able to find that really satisfy that tick for me more than actual business does is snowboarding. And then also uh, not any good at it, not anything that I could boast of, but just I like to, to, to mess around with like Muay Thai and MMA and Krav Maga and stuff like that. I, I No good, again, but enjoy the crap out of beating the crap out of me. <laughs> well, I get it. So I love that. So last two questions. Uh, how do we get in touch with you? How do we find you? How do we support whatever mission you're doing? Yeah, man. I, uh, you can probably find us on social media at Monkey Wrench Marketing. Um, and that's our, that's our handle. That's our username for Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can find me, just Caleb Blair, on Facebook or on Instagram at Real Caleb Blair is the handle. And then our website, which is actually going to be up here by the end of next week. Um, so I don't know when this will go live, but probably will be up by then, is monkeywrenchmarketing.com. All right, cool. I love that. Okay, now last question. I love asking this question because if I ask a thousand people, I get a thousand different answers and they're all interesting. Um, you know, we live in such a crazy world. Like, you know, we have we have three children, me and my, me and my bride and, um, you know, homeschooling. And so we live in a crazy world. Where you got grandparents, homeschooling kids, um, COVID. So, you know, if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're probably never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So if somebody is struggling in their business, now you can do, you can answer this two different ways. If somebody's struggling in their business or with their own mental health, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to get help? Can I give you one for each? That's yeah, definitely. All right. So if you are struggling in your business and you are not sure what direction to go or what to do about it, and you're really at a loss, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Lost question. Okay. Yep. My biggest piece of advice, man, 
would be to reach out to the most intimidating individual that you know, and then also the closest person that you know, that has subject matter expertise, you know, so for me, that would be like reaching out to Gary Vee or Ali Boyd. There's no chance, there's not a guarantee that they respond or that it happened. But A, it would build confidence in myself to be able to do it. And then even just, it literally costs you nothing to try, right? And then if you were to be able to get in touch or get some kind of response, the value in that response would be astronomical. But then also having somebody that you have a personal relationship with that cares about you and, and would be willing to give you some perspective and preface the conversation with asking for that perspective without being worried about hurting your feelings, you know? And uh, that's something that I appreciate a lot in my friendships is that there's a lot of straightforwardness. You know, we, we all understand that we love each other from our hearts. And so anything that's said is set in love and we don't have to worry too much about hurting each other's feelings to be able to give productive feedback. You know, I can say, hey, dude, I really think you're messing this up. I really think that you need to work on this and hone on this and it be received in love and vice versa. You know, I'm like, oh, dude, thank you. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I never would have seen that otherwise. And being comfortable with that and then progressing that relationship. You know, don't let it die. Have those accountability partners in your life that are going to help you and give you feedback that you trust. The next thing with the, the mental health is get into counseling. It's the best thing I ever did for myself. But the that is hinging on your involvement i went to counseling for a full year before i ever actually cared about going to counseling and that full year of counseling was an absolute waste i got nothing out of it but the minute that i decided that i actually wanted to be there and that i wanted to be different and that i actually wanted the help that they were providing i actually started to open up i actually started to make an effort to be able to talk about what i was feeling even if it wasn't comfortable because then i was vested i was invested in my growth i was invested in me doing it because it cost me something and that cost was vulnerability i love that brother so guys if you're listening to this definitely reach out to my brother caleb check him out monkey wrench marketing uh, i'm going to be probably going to be asking for some help in the future and i have no problem asking for help if i need help with anything because i'm a low-tech redneck and uh and i and you know what i'm <laughs> man, okay i was that. too I straight up, I feel that very much so. You got but, me, man. But, you know, I'm, I'm okay because, you know, I know that maybe that's not my strength, but it's some of my friend's strength. So why not use my friend's strength and they use my strength or for getting their, their stories out there. I also want to thank our, our sponsor for today, Paul Hudson. He's uh, doing amazing things. If you love swag, check out Victory Warrior. Dot com. We got a book coming out, and actually, um, I wrote one of the chapters, so definitely uh, check him out. Brother, I just want to thank you for coming on and hanging out today, and, and, and I hope that um, I exceeded your expectations of what you thought our show would be. Man, this was such a pleasure. pleasure. Excuse me. I had so much fun. Honestly, this was such an honor to be able to talk to you. I've been wanting to get on this podcast since it was the comeback coach, man. Yeah, so, so we're to finally be able to be here and be able to have a this deep hearted conversation. Was, I'm blessed, bro. And, I'm and then so the only blessed. thing I'm going to ask is when we log off or, you know, just send me uh, a picture. I already got a good picture, I think, from you and uh, a short quote, you know, for the for the graphic. And then it'll be in a couple of weeks because I'm, I'm kind of backlogged because I can. Are we off the record now? But uh, where are we? Are we are we post cut here? No, we're talking. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. I think you have all that. Yep. Um, I, I sent you the bio. Is that what you're looking for? Nope. Just like you said, I'm going to need a, a picture later and a quote, a short quote that I could just put in your graphic so everybody can know what your favorite quote is. Oh, an actual quote. Yeah. Oh, man. Gotcha. All right, brother. All right. We'll have to throw it in there. Thank you. Have an amazing week. And thank you for being a part of my inner circle. Rich, thank you so much for having me on, man. It was such a pleasure. God bless you, dude. I God bless you. And I'm so proud of you, brothers. You know, stay clean at 24 hours at a time, brother. Hey, one meal at a time. That's it. All right, brother. Bye. Later. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.